0: Welcome back, everyone. I'm Jared Johnson from Shift Forward Health, and here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the Week about Amazon Clinic's nationwide rollout. What does Amazon's move signal to us about opportunities for more consumer-centered health experiences, and should we be rooting for everyone who makes it easier to have our health and wellness needs met? I'll talk about that. Then we're pleased to welcome Jeremy Rogers, Executive Director of Digital Marketing and Experience at Indiana University Health. Jeremy describes what it takes to evangelize for consumer transformation and highlights ways that he sees hospitals innovating in their marketing. It's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the week. Does Amazon's latest announcement shed more light on their healthcare destiny? Amazon Clinic is expanding to all 50 states through third party telehealth providers. The service was launched in November 2022 as a virtual platform for users to connect with healthcare providers to treat more than 30 common health concerns like acne, migraines, sinus infections, and hair loss. Amazon does not provide the telehealth services itself, but instead provides Amazon Clinic as a platform to connect partners with patients. Current partners include Kirai Health, Hello Alpha, SteadyMD, and wheel. It does come with some limitations, for instance, due to regulations, secure messaging is still only available in 34 states. Here are my key takeaways from this announcement. Number one, I like that they're using partners to make this happen. We've been praising partnership strategies for years here on this program and calling for more leadership by consumer-facing teams such as marketing and digital patient experience, not just IT. Number two, they don't yet accept insurance, although consumers can use insurance to help pay for prescriptions. I love that they highlight this fact. We need more cash pay options for those who don't find it financially viable to work through insurance. And that is a bigger portion of the population than we sometimes realize. High deductible health plans have forced many into this position, as have bad experiences with big insurance. This demographic needs high quality care too. Number three, 18 months ago, we were all clamoring for Amazon to give us their healthcare blueprint. We all said they weren't giving us enough signals. It's interesting how much more detail we have now. For instance, they have yet to give any indication that they intend to go down the rabbit hole of acute care. They seem to be content to stick with their four-sided strategy of Amazon pharmacy, Amazon clinic, one medical and RX pass. I can see a path where they double down on these four consumer facing areas, get even better at logistics, and maybe make a play to acquire a major GPO to conquer the supply chain side. I mean, talk about playing to their strengths. Number four, if I want healthcare to be accessible and affordable for everyone, I want players like Amazon to succeed. I want more cash pay options and more digital choices for low acuity conditions. The narrative that retailers can't figure out healthcare or that it's just too complicated or that we're better off without them is something I will continue to push against because I'm rooting for anyone who makes it easier, less scary, and less costly to have our health and wellness needs met. I'm also rooting for everyone who makes space for all of the major players to coexist. Let's pay attention to what Amazon's move signals to us about opportunities for more consumer-centered health experiences. That's another way that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the Week. All right, everyone, let's get back into the flow. Please give it up for Jeremy Rogers. Jeremy is the Executive Director of Digital Marketing and Experience at Indiana University Health. Jeremy, welcome to the Healthcare Wrap. Hi, Jared. Happy to be here. Uh, let's help our listeners get to know you a little bit better. I know many of them do already uh, from your work here. I'd love to help them get to know you personally and professionally. What, what would you like them to know? Help us fill in the gaps a little bit.
1: Sure thing, Jared. I'm a, I'm a native Hoosier um, from Indiana originally. I've been at IU Health now for about seven and a half years. This is my first and only job in healthcare, So I still feel like I'm a bit of a neophyte. I still learn new stuff each and every day, which is what I, learn, I love the most about my job. As a Hoosier, I'm really connected to the mission of our organization, which is to help Indiana become one of the healthiest states. We have a long way to go, but but I'm trying to do my small part to help achieve that mission. My background is in largely e-commerce, both consumer and B2B. I've kind of vacillated in my career between Technology and marketing roles, but the common theme is kind of sitting at the intersection where where consumerism and the customer comes into play, helping to navigate and translate business priorities, business imperatives to technical or digital solutions. That's where I've, I've really made the most mark in my career.
0: So tell us about that. There was a transition to healthcare at some point. Do you still recall any of those like first impressions of coming into healthcare? You mentioned you still learn something every day, which I think we all feel the same way, no matter how long we've been. In the industry. But do you remember some of those first impressions in terms of like how healthcare is different
1: or faster or slower than you expected? I do indeed, Jared. So that was back at the very beginning of 2016 at this point. I had never intended to get into healthcare. I was attracted to the opportunity because it was a chance to rebuild a team here to really focus on bringing more consumerism into a large health system. In the first few months, I was fairly awestruck by the amount of bureaucracy and the pace of decision-making, the pace of change. It was very different for me from my prior for-profit stops in my career. It took me months to understand the cadence, the the pre-meetings, the post-meetings, the socialization, the networking that you have to do to get decisions pushed through, to get buy-in, to get consensus. That's just continued in the ensuing years. I'm trying to learn how to navigate a large organization, heavily regulated. It's still something I'm trying to get better and better at each and every day.
0: Outstanding. Well, I'm sure along the way, you've had some career advice that has stuck with you that's either helped or just you know some of those things that come back to you. Is there a piece of career advice that you think about that has helped you along the way?
1: Indeed, Jared. I think you know I was fortunate enough younger younger years earlier in my career to have some really good mentors. And the thing that stuck with me the most was really about flexibility, a lot of people coming out of school early in their career want to have a very firm plan. They want to know exactly where they're going to go, what their roadmap is. I was always taught to try to be flexible. I think in in a career, like many things, you're afforded several opportunities, several forks in the road where if you maintain flexibility, you can make choices that aren't like tied to a rigid prescriptive plan. I can think back to three or four moments in my career where there was a new opportunity. There was a, a project or something, a big challenge to tackle that if, if I had stayed really regimented, I may have shied away from or backed away from those, those changes. And so I think with, with flexibility, it opened new doors for me, created more work for growth development. That's been really important to me.
0: Well, I love hearing that because that's the type of mindset. I feel like that's needed here to be able to deal with some of the things you said. Some of the the challenges of working in healthcare. There is bureaucracy. There are a lot of people involved. There's a lot of socialization of ideas and and initiatives that needs to happen. So that's absolutely that flexibility is something that you kind of have to have to to be able to succeed and and stick around here. So you know, I for one, I, I value the work that you're doing in this field, and, and I'm excited to dive into this a little bit. That might start as a maybe this is a starting point for us. If you can describe your role and give us a sense of the work that you're responsible for. You mentioned when you first came into healthcare that you know one of those things that interested you was helping bring more elements of consumerism into healthcare. Tell us if that's a part of what you
1: do, but, but can you describe that role for us a little bit? Sure thing, Jared. So yeah, you're exactly right. It's really the customer-first mindset, applying that digitally here at IU Health. So my my team sits in the marketing organization focused on digital Uh, both experiential and marketing components of it. So it really cuts across all aspects of digital. So it's consumer, patient, web, mobile, portal, things like CRM, marketing automation. There are different flavors, whether it's for a patient audience or a team member audience or a provider audience, but it's really working with stakeholders, internal technical partners, third-party agencies, marketers, To to really understand the the needs, wants, and preferences of our customers, translate that into digital solutions. Some of it may involve internal IT partners, some of it may not. But it's really any digital interaction with users across the health system is where we play. To your point about customer mindset, we absolutely apply that every day. We've been able to design our organization to really embed customer VOC customer feedback directly into our decision-making in terms of experimentation, planning, you know, really the jobs to do are all designed to focus on the the key customer problems to make the experience easier, to help people find and navigate care. And as you know, Jared, there are just so many challenges. I, I tell people, I don't know if I will work in healthcare for the rest of my career but there certainly is enough work to do. I certainly could keep doing that for decades to come before I retire.
0: (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. That is, I think, a a common observation when we look at the time it takes to get ramped up and understand how much work there is to do (laughs) and then uh, see, yeah, like, what's my part there? What, what can I focus on? What can I contribute there? From your perspective, I'd love to hear your point of view just about the industry in general, about health system marketing, about just the current state of where things are.
1: Sure thing, Jared. I think I think it's different. If you had asked me this question back pre-pandemic, it would have been quite a bit different. But things are just very interesting right now. As the pandemic fog has lifted, there's been a bit of carnage across the, the, the playing field. Bright spots, I think, are around in terms of the consumer shifts. I think the way consumers look at healthcare now is fundamentally different than it was pre-pandemic and that creates opportunities or angles for health systems and other types of provider organizations to really better engage with those patients as customers. So I I think that's a bright spot is understanding those shifts, understanding what people want now compared to where they were three or four years ago. That's a bright spot. I think that's tempered a little bit by some of the access challenges that I, I won't have to get into. I know your past guests have covered that very well, but, but we face those each and every day. So it's helping kind of to triangulate what those consumer behaviors are with the current realities of the macro health system, financial pressure, service pressure, all those things. And, and that's, that's really forcing more prioritization, forcing more rigor and decision making, aligning on things, you know, where are the opportunities where we can have the biggest bang for the buck to drive the biggest change in terms of outcomes, population health? Those are bright spots to me. And I, I'm an optimist by nature, so there are many things that could depress us every day, but I tend to look at the positive silver lining. We, we have to make this work for the better of our country, for the better of public health. So I think it's it's good to have the mindset of being part of the solution versus part of a problem.
0: Yeah, I can see how that that would help serve you well in in this environment, for sure. I've been hearing this term lately, just the thought of marketing innovation that is coming from health systems. I think there's a lot of innovation. I think there's a lot of emerging ways of not only strategizing what a marketing team can do, but how their part plays into a bigger role either in driving a business, helping ultimately with a health mission-related goal. I love the goal of helping Indiana become a healthier state, you know, that, that kind of thing. What ways are you seeing hospitals and health systems innovating in the way that they're marketing?
1: No, I, I totally agree, Jared. I think I think in times of challenge, you, you can innovate out of it. I don't think this is a situation where you have to like, cut or be more efficient to drive the solution. Um, When I look at the role of marketing nowadays, um, it's, it's not traditional marketing. It's not just about advertising. I think brand promise, you know, what do we want our brand to be nowadays is again maybe different than it was three or four years ago with these consumer behaviors I touched on the components of relationship marketing are a bit different. What customers look for around ease of access and convenience, that directly applies within our brand work. I think there, again, are are, are macro trends around things like the financial transparency, things around privacy, that I think are gonna drive further innovation. I think we come at it from a position of expertise, a, pr- a position of, of strength. Fewer institutions, fewer industries than ours have less data. There are fewer that have more data about their customers in healthcare. We have data coming out of our ears I think situations like this force us to to better leverage that first party data to to again drive behavior influence because really marketing is largely about influence driving desired behaviors and so what are those behaviors we're looking for those macro trends are forcing some of those angles of innovation across marketing within healthcare.
0: I love that. Well, I mean, I feel like you know even before we got here on the air, like I know you are an evangelist for these things for consumer transformation, you kind of create that umbrella term, right? Under all of these things, there's the strategy and the operations of how do we become more consumer-driven, consumer-centered. And it does take a lot of innovation there. And I know that takes a lot of internal consensus driving. It takes a lot of, I mean, evangelizing is one word for it. It's a lot of advocacy that you have to do within your organization to get support for changing the status quo, changing the way that things are approached, changing what marketing is responsible for and how we even describe things. So I'm curious what some of those conversations just look and feel like. Like what kinds of consumer strategies and tactics do you advocate for within your organization
1: and how do you make the case for them? Yeah, that's that's an awesome question, Jared. I think many of your listeners know that that health systems were not really designed to put customers at the center of decisions. Historically, it's been more of an inside out versus outside in mindset. And so a lot of a lot of conversations my team is involved in, again, is, is putting the customer at the center, leveraging what we know, our customer insights, voice of customer feedback to inform decision making, to prioritize decision making, both tactical, short-term, and long-term strategic. That I think is the, the key role of our team. Because digital engagement is such a key part of the healthcare journey now there are those moments that matter. There are moments that really you can win a relationship or lose a relationship in those small moments. And so it's really around, again, injecting customer first insights into those moments to make sure we're doing the right thing. And we're not perfect. We have a long way to go. But I I do see in my time here, people have really come around to really they clamor for those insights, they clamor for that VOC because, in, in a vacuum, we all have opinions. Many of us are patients, but our own experience, it's not the same. There, there are so many different journeys and micro journeys within healthcare. You have to listen to the customer and you have to leverage those insights that's really where it's all at. I wonder if it's
0: in some ways kind of like the early days of digital marketing, digital advertising, let's say, so like paid social campaigns, right? I remember those conversations where you'd have a stakeholder in the room and you'd pull up just some I mean back in the day the the dashboard that you know Facebook or or Twitter or Instagram provided was pretty limited. It's better now, but those early days, even just just providing a little bit of sense of like, look, here's how this ad performed, here's how this one performed, here's the reach, here's the impressions, here's the clicks, here's the engagement. That was what people clamored for. That's what they hungered for. And the quest, it drove a different level of questions. It drove a different <laughs> level of strategy. And in a short amount of time, those conversations would turn into a change in long-term strategy. And I wonder if it, it kind of sounds the same in terms of when you put some of those customer insights in front of people a lot of times they'll know what to do or at least which direction ahead, that conversation is changing. It sounds like that that's kind of some of the advocacy that happens within the organization when it comes to
1: consumer-minded innovation. Yes, that's totally accurate, Jared. I think a lot of our partners, whether they're operational or clinical, they're really good operators. They're really good at being efficient and driving, driving efficiency. Where we help them is kind of in, in the experiential layers. How do we help make it more seamless, more predictable, more consistent? And delight customers, like that's something we have to get towards is that delight component there definitely is a strong appetite to inject more of that intelligence.
0: Nice. You know, that also takes a certain skill set, right, within yourself and, and, and the team to understand that, because like you said, that's not in the DNA of a lot of healthcare organizations to be consumer-centered at all, and then recognizing that they're not that way to be able to get past the question of, okay, well, where do we start? <laughs> what do we need to change? That is a long-term transformation, but it does take a lot of individuals finding those skills and core competencies. How do you think we do that? How do we grow those consumer muscles? How do we build those capabilities in our organizations?
1: There's no magic wand for that, Jared. I think it comes down to, again, culture and mindset. I think, again, you know, most health systems are not designed to be customer and consumer obsessed compared to other other industries, other brands where that customer obsession is kind of hardwired into their DNA. So in the absence of that, things like finding folks who have skill sets around you know, whether it's design, design thinking or human-centered design, those who come from other industries, whether it be retail, hospitality, those that have really developed more competence and acumen around the customer as the center. That's a big part of it. I think another component is just the the willingness to be able to test and experiment. Historically in healthcare, there's such a justifiable focus on safety and patient care that there's almost a phobia around failure a phobia around testing and trying and and being willing to admit that you don't have the answer or this idea may not work it's finding ways to infuse more of that experimentation and what my team talks about a lot is there there are parts of the journey that we can't experiment on where care is involved and outcomes are paramount lives are at stake in some cases but there are peripheral areas there are components of the journey where we absolutely can test and experiment and measure make course corrections around that so it's again finding folks with those skill sets multivariate testing, regression analysis, all that fun stuff. That's a big, big component that we have, to, we have to weave deeper and further into the entire health system to do those experiments, to measure them, to be willing to fail and to learn and to fail forward is a big, big part of it. I want to shift
0: a little bit over to bringing up retail health because we do talk about them a lot here. But we talk about them because there are a lot of new primary care offerings. There's a lot of new options out there. We talk about how consumerism used to be described as the fact that before you become a patient, you have choices. And we've learned that that definition has evolved for me, at least, that the definition of consumerism means that you don't just have choices, but you have expectations. Especially since the early pandemic stages, we do have expectations for how everything should be easier in our lives and more convenient. So in my mind that impacts us, but when I look at retailers themselves, Amazon, Walgreens, Walmart, CVS are kind of the big 4 that we tend to talk about a lot, but there's others. There's Best Buy, there's there's grocery chains getting into primary care, etc. Do you view retail health service offerings and and digital health startups as competitive threats, do you view them as partners? Do you view them as, as both or neither? What's the general point of view?
1: My point of view is strongly both, Jared. I think when I look at it, to me, consumerism certainly starts at the, the the top of the funnel. But to me, there are choices and options throughout the healthcare journey. I think a lot of these new entrants, whether it's retail or innovators or big tech they're looking to peel off the parts of the value chain where they can add the most value and drive the most profit. And that's not the mindset most most health systems have. So if we we sit back on our heels, they will again come in and attack the value chain, attack those parts where they can peel off. Your reference to primary care is a great example. Most health systems offer fairly vanilla primary care. It's the same model that's been around for decades. There's no personalization. There's no concept of being a member or having a, a direct relationship. It, it's very, very transactional. The folks you mentioned are looking at it from a different paradigm. They're, they're looking to build affinity, build loyalty, wrap services around. It's not just the primary care doctor, but the entire care team to do force multiplication, to, to have a more dynamic experience, all those things. I think as a, as a health system, my opinion is, It's got to be a partnership so there will be areas where you want to lean into where you it may be a core competency or a core part of your journey that you want to really get deep and get really good good at compete on there are other areas that may be peripheral or secondary that you you don't want to compete on you have to partner with someone but it's really how you combine those partnerships how you weave them together to have a strategic offering to differentiate i'm big on differentiating by the experience so if you can leverage a partnership to have a compelling experience That may be something one of your local competitors can't offer. Very important to me. I don't think we can sit back on our laurels because I don't think any health system wants to end up being just the hospital on the hill that only offers acute care or quaternary care and let everybody else take away the the top of funnel. That's a, That would be a really risky strategic proposition. I think you'd have these new entrants would peel off those customers. They would be able to drive them to certain partnerships to steer them away from you, potentially. A lot of scary things to come from that. I don't know how it will look five, ten years from now, but I'm I'm confident it will be much different.
0: Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense, and especially when you talk about differentiating that conversation hasn't always resonated with say clinical leadership who in their mind a, a lot of times differentiation just means you know higher quality scores for their clinical team and rightfully so right like that is something that should be included in the pantheon of of messaging and and brand positioning i feel like let's definitely tout the clinical quality of care but recognize that that is not a differentiator that is table stakes that is absolutely what a consumer expects is that they're Going to be seen by an expert. And that's why they're okay dealing with the challenging experience to get there is to get to that level of experience from the doctor or the the nurse practitioner or whoever they're seeing on a clinical team. So I absolutely agree with that. I feel like that conversation has evolved and it's part of just the the fact of how this has to come about and what type of consensus has to happen internally to get us to this point where we are talking about a differentiated experience and granted you know maybe you're not talking to to really high acuity level you know surgical care or whatever maybe that experience is just what it is right but it should still be easier like everyone that i know has opportunity to improve the experience and still reduce some friction in the in what it takes to access the care, to receive the care, to feel like you were cared for, those, those kinds of things. So, these are parts again that just weren't talked about a few years ago and it's great to hear that. To that point, I feel like marketing leaders in particular have been the ones to kind of seize control of that in a good way and say like let we will own this. <laughs> we were already gathering voice of customer feedback. We're the ones who know what the experience has been like. We're, we've been the ones creating a lot of the the digital assets that are needed, your website, your digital front door mentality, right? All the assets, the app, the portal, whatnot. And marketing's been the ones kind of driving that in my mind in a lot of organizations. And now they have this opportunity to just evolve that leadership and, and play a big role in in this consumer transformation that has to happen. Do you feel like marketing can play a leading role here? And, and why do you think so?
1: I do, Jared. I don't think there's a choice. What I've found in most Health systems, marketers are typically the only ones who even use the term consumer. In many places, it's almost a dirty word. But I think that's just an example of, of the role marketing plays. You, you used the, words, the word evangelism earlier. And that's really the role of marketing is to evangelize for the customer, for the consumer. I think bringing the data, bringing the insights, that is a unique proposition that basically only marketing can provide so super important there i do think we're kind of a fork in the road or an inflection point because i think especially like in the in, in the digital world there are many stakeholders involved the term ownership is almost a dirty word in most organizations and i'm not i'm not big on ownership i'm more about getting things done like the outcomes of it but i think you're exactly right the marketing voice the consumer voice has to be directly embedded front and center or I don't think these strategies have much of a chance in the long term.
0: Yeah, I totally agree there and that's been my experience as well. I'd love to kind of end on a an open-ended question here, Jeremy. I'd love just to dream about the destination. I love thinking about where all this can get us. You know, this is a lot of work. It's a lot of effort and it's helpful in the day-to-day trenches <laughs> to understand where all this can get us. What type of progress do you hope that we will celebrate in healthcare? We're, we're looking maybe three years from now and we're looking back and saying, look what got done. What do you think that destination looks like?
1: That's a tough question, Jerry. but I'm happy to give some perspective. I think if I look out three years, a lot of it is really kind of getting some of the pandemic realities further in the rear view mirror. I think, think there still is a bit of institutional trauma and carnage that we're f- dealing with both financially and experientially. I think we have to clear that off I think it's about, you know, like I mentioned earlier, those, the, the shifting consumer trends, really having large health systems be more agile to really navigate and meet them where they are. So not, not be so reactionary, take advantage of those trends, shift care models, shift care delivery, to provide a better experience and improve access and not, not just access to appointments, but access across the entire continuum of care. As we look at what's happening across the nation you know, with aging populations and you know, chronic conditions that are getting worse in some situations, we have to do these things to drive the outcomes we need. If the overall goal of health systems is to benefit public health, we have to do those things. We don't have a choice. So I think again, if we leverage those customer insights to kind of skate where the puck's going. I think we have huge opportunities. That's what I hope to see in three years.
0: We'll set a date three years from now. <laughs> we can take a look and see if we've made some progress there. Uh, I love yeah, thinking that. I think that we, way. All,
1: we all have to commit. We have to commit to make it happen. Like I said, we have to be part of the solution, not part of the problem.
0: Yeah, so true. With that, I want to thank you for giving us so much to think about today. That's a perfect place for us to wrap up. What's the best way for listeners to connect with you if they'd like to just? You know they may have questions for you. They just want to connect with you. Is that on LinkedIn? Is that the best way to find you? Or is there another way?
1: LinkedIn primarily, but I'm active on most social platforms, Jared. But yeah, LinkedIn, I'm I'm public there. So please reach out to connect. I love to chat with folks.
0: Outstanding. Well, and hopefully LinkedIn doesn't get its name changed. You know, here in the next uh, you know next few weeks anyway, too. So you know we we would have been. I
1: think LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn is safe, Jared. I think I think for now.
0: <laughs> for now, yes. <laughs> there you go. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. I've had the pleasure of speaking with Jeremy Rogers from Indiana University Health. Thanks so much for joining us today
1: thanks jared my pleasure
0: thanks for tuning in if you like what you heard please spread the word tell your colleagues to tune in for all the awesomeness then leave a review on apple spotify or wherever you listen this show is produced by shift forward health the channel for change makers subscribe to shift forward health on your favorite podcast app and you'll be subscribed to our entire library of shows see our full lineup at shiftforwardhealth.com one subscription all the podcasts you need, and it's all for free. And remember, we might have a lot of work to do in healthcare, but we'll get there faster together. Thanks again.